And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Son of Slovenia, cool as hell He scores the ball and he rebounds well Don't fight the future, here comes Luca Even losses feel like wins When you're with your good friend Tim Minutes in Welcome to 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network, the only Mavericks podcast that has never been rained out indoors. Which, yes, I am implying that every other Mavericks podcast you listen to has been rained out. It's a uh, weird fact of life. I mean, the podcast has also never been swept. That's true. That's true. We would, we just simply would not be swept. We don't own any brooms. I'm Tim Cato. I ran to talk about the Mavericks. This is Austin Garuya uh, sitting next to me. We're recording a little bit later on Wednesday, just about the Mavericks Tuesday game for 119-109 win that extends the series. And there's only so much to say. I, I think my overarch- overarching thought is that the Mavericks showed that what they were doing can beat the Warriors. You know, I, I already thought that from the first three games. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, Josh Bowe made this point on the Mass Moneyball podcast that it is very unusual or different for a team that has been down in all three series they've played in to basically not change what they're doing. Strategically, they've, they've tweaked things, obviously, but they haven't changed the rotations or the distribution of minutes other than Frank Nilakina going in for Josh Green. Shout out Frank hitting a three pointer. I thought I thought he played well. I, I thought that that's probably something they would have got to sooner, had he not had an appendectomy, you know, right before the postseason began. And so they've they've been a very static team in terms of change, in terms of what they're trying to do. It's just that it worked, and it could have worked in game two. It could have worked in game three. It worked in game four. I don't think it's going to ultimately affect the results of the series. But I think the series could have been more competitive because I think Dallas is a very good team. But, look, it always seemed more likely that the Warriors were going to be the team to win the series just by, you know, their talent levels, just by the nature of their championship pedigree, just by the nature of all these things, by by, by the fact that the Mavericks have been running a shortened rotation for, you know, pretty much every other day for weeks now. And... So I think it's good. It's it's good rationalization or, or it's good uh, proof of concept that the Mavericks won game four. It, it proves that they deserve to be in the conference finals. It proves that they are one of the four best teams right now in the NBA, that they are very close to being a title contender. It doesn't mean that the team should be complacent. It doesn't mean that this roster doesn't need improvement. It very clearly does. But I do think it's it's good. It's it's there's There's no downsides to the Mavericks winning this game and it's not unexpected or, or fluky or fortunate. 
they played their style, their brand of basketball, and it got them a win. And it could have got them other wins against the Warriors, no matter what happens the rest of the series. And that is the defining piece of this team, the defining ethos and identity of this team that they're going to take forward into future, into the offseason, into future seasons. And that is a real massive reason for optimism when you look at what they've done this year and, and especially, you know, just where they started this season. Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, this series should be 2-2. They should have won game two. They built a butterfly effect. We don't know what would have happened. Obviously, some of what happened in game four may have been affected by the Warriors not being as locked in as they should have been. But I agree. Yeah, this could easily be 2-2. And I think besides them just hitting all of their threes in the game, which is usually a bellwether for them to, to win, they tightened up their defense in a way that they had not done the first three games, and they prevented a lot of points in the paint. I think there was a layup line for the first three games, and it was easy for guys to get inside and get shots. And I think that's one of the things that to, to look for in Game 5 and possibly Game 6 is their their paint defense. They were able to ward off drives, and Steph wasn't able to cause as much havoc. And some of their split-cut actions, they didn't have any miscommunications and didn't give them any open layups and open shots at the rim as they had previously done. Because they were... That's where they lost game two is because they, they hit 21 threes. It's pretty hard to lose a basketball game when you hit 21 threes, but they couldn't get they couldn't get to the rim and they couldn't stop any points at the rim. And I think they made a really great adjustment both defensively and offensively. On the offensive side, it was great to see Luca play off the ball a lot. That's I think the most he's played off the ball in any playoff game this this season. Um, he got actually a lot of he got like two or three wide open th- looks from three on catch and shoot, which he, he never does. And actually. Quite honestly, they should have won by like 40 because Luka had a bad shooting game. He missed a lot of shots he normally makes. He didn't get a lot of calls he probably should have gotten. Golden State was giving him those threes, which yeah. I think is smart. Just based off his track record of hitting catch-and-shoot threes, the fact that he's hesitant to take them sometimes, which not because he can't make them, but because he just doesn't want to take them. Uh, that, that was clearly something Golden State had done a little bit from the start of the series, and you saw it show up. You know, he was, what, one of three on catch-and-shoot, like wide-open catch-and-shoot? Yeah, wide-open. And he even moved off the ball. He had a, a, a give-and-go, which is not something he's, he's done since his With rookie Frank. season. With Frank. With Frank Nilakina. He used to do that in his rookie season a lot, and he just stopped doing it the last couple of years. And that's in his game, and I think that's a another really good wrinkle that they added. And Jalen just being on the ball and being more aggressive really helped give their offense a little bit of juice. And, you know, the, I mean, kids said it after the game. The Warriors can't guard them one-on-one. They can't play man defense against them successfully for long stretches of time. They have to go to that zone, especially when they're hitting threes, because they don't really have answers in guarding all three of Jalen, Luka, and Spencer and not giving up open threes. I think your point about the defense is the one that I want to touch a little bit more on. Uh, Golden State had to go back to mid-range shots, and they scored 18 points there, which allowed them to, you know, keep this game to just a 10-point margin in the end. And they're a good mid-range shooting team. They don't even have, you know, the player that uh, the Warriors players say is the best mid-range shooter on the team, which is Otto Porter. Um, but but I, I, think, I think that shows that, you know, they had to adjust and they had to go find points somewhere else. And that is exactly what the Dallas defense has been trying to do for months now. You double-team the Stars, which, you know, kind of funny that, you know, Jason Kidd said that, they can't guard him. I mean, they're, they're not guarding Steph Curry one-on-one. Um, but you double-team the Stars. You get the ball out of their hands. You you frustrate them. Stars are going to score against any level of defense. But you frustrate them. You try to prevent them from getting to their spots. And then you run the role players off the three-point line. And what the Warriors were doing, as you alluded to, 
in games two and three especially, they were getting those role players were getting all all the way to the rim, and, and the Mavericks did a better job preventing both of those things from the role players that they they shored up inside didn't prevent the layup line as you suggested. Obviously, more made shots is a is a good thing for this team. They can get back, get set, and it, it, I thought it was just a, a a good you know game four in in so many ways up until the fourth quarter, which. I don't even know what there is to say about that. Um, tell me about what you thought of that here in a second. But up until the fourth quarter, it was a representation of everything the Mavericks had done successfully this season. Every part of the strategy that got them to the conference finals. I, I, I don't think, you know, I think that's a good thing. I, I think I think it's good to to show that one more time, you know, even if the series were to end in game five on Thursday. Yeah, that that fourth quarter, that was rough. But I think it was kind of a, a byproduct of the Warriors have better talent six through ten on their roster than the Mavericks do, and it's pretty it's a pretty wide margin. Even though Jonathan Kaminga is a rookie, he has a lot of basketball talent, and he can score, he can go and get baskets. And there, and also they played Bielita at the five, and Bielita is great. If he's not playing against starting starting eleven competition on the other side, he can make plays. He it really opens up their offense and. I think there was just a letdown. You know, that it seemed like the game was over. They hit a bazillion threes in the third quarter. They also kind of got a little unlucky that they missed they missed all of their threes in the beginning of the fourth quarter to kind of just stem the tide. And that's what caused that huge run. I thought Kidd actually managed it pretty well. He brought in the starters. He called appropriate timeouts. And it, it, it got below 10, but then it once it got back above 10, it to get back below 10 for the rest of the game. Well, here's here's the flip side. The Mavericks did miss a bunch of threes to stem the tide, like you said. If the Mavericks' 20 of 43 three-point shooting uh, in Game 4 was equally distributed across the entire game, would we have just seen a 10-point game that played out normally with starters playing normal minutes? Was the nature of the Mavericks hitting all their shots early? And, you know, shooting well early in the game doesn't actually mean that you have to shoot poorly later in the game. But often... That is how it works out, is that, you yeah. know, even even in the 48-minute sample size that the law of averages and variation and randomness uh, will affect you later on, and, you, and you're just going to miss some of those shots. If, if it had been more equally distributed, maybe we'd be looking at this game and saying, okay, Dallas was, you know, Dallas won. Dallas won. It deserved to win. But it was a 10-point game. It wasn't a 30-point blowout. Uh, they're not a 30-point blowout. Uh, they're not 30 points blowout better than than Golden State because Golden State's very good, and that's why they're ultimately going to win this series. I, I think you could make that argument, um, although you could also make the argument that every game in the postseason is is dictated by law, in fact, uh, to be a blowout. Uh, a strange law that Congress passed. It feels like they should be focusing on other things. Possibly. Um, but since they did that, you know, it was inevitable. And Golden State does that, okay? I mean, they lost by 55 to the Grizzlies, so it's, you know... That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they just had a bad game. I also thought Kerr coached a pretty arrogant game. That The the game was close until that stretch in the second quarter where Kerr decided to play Kaminga and Moody all together without Steph or Draymond for a very long period of time. And I thought it was very strange. He played... He played the... He coached the first half like it was like a normal game in March. And he did not play playoff minutes to his stars or playoff rotation. And I thought it was very strange. And that's when the game broke open is when Spencer and Jalen got going. When Lucas actually when Lucas sat, that's that's when the game really blew wide open. And the Warriors played they played a bad lineup. I just that was not a, a lineup I would 
expect to see in the conference finals. And I thought Kerr got a little cute trying to being up 3-0 and trying to get his guys some minutes and some experience in in the playoffs instead of just going for the kill shot. And I think it it, it came back to haunt them. If they lose game five, that that will come back to really bite them. Say what you will, it is something Jason Kidd would do too, though. Right? I don't think he would do it in the playoffs. I don't think at this point, I think in the regular season, absolutely something he would do. But in the play, he's shown he's not he's not played bad lineups in the playoffs. Except for that, it's outside of actually the fourth quarter of this game where there, it was actually supposed to be over and the other team pulled their starters, he hasn't gotten really cute with his rotation at all at any point in the playoffs. I can't honestly can't remember too many bad rotation decisions um, that he's made. And he doesn't, also, he doesn't really have the option to get cute. There's not, there aren't like guys, I mean, outside of just playing Josh Green some minutes, there aren't really other guys that you, oh, I need to get Marquise Chris minutes. I need to get Trey Burke minutes. Those guys don't see the floor unless it's, a 30-point blowout with a minute or two left to go. Yeah, yeah, you might be right about that. You've, you've, you've talked me into it. You know, I, I, I don't have an issue with what Kerr did. You know, I, th- I think it makes sense within the identity of the Warriors and the idea that they didn't use their picks when they were bad for two seasons to trade for win-now players. You know, their identity is still that they're trying to build to the next dynasty. Uh, the next iteration of this, of, you know, a rotational core around their aging centerpieces. But, and, and, and this is in, I guess the reason I say it is this is the way that when Jason Kidd has done things that don't make perfect sense to me, that I don't think are maximizing the team's chances to win in the moment, like, you know, double teaming Kevin Durant for an entire game. It's obvious that those double teams ultimately, you know, have been very effective in that getting a 48-minute run out at practicing something like that, doing something to an extreme has helped this team. It's 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 hard to argue with uh with with kids' approach in in, in most instances. Um, although I do think that at some point it will backfire. Um, not not this series, not this season, but going forward, and and we'll have to you know talk about that at at that point. But I think in the regular season, it's a time to experiment and try to find things that are going to work for you in the playoffs. I just think if you have the chance to end a playoff series and get rest where you've been playing every other day for three weeks, you should take advantage of that and you should try to maximize that opportunity. I don't think this is the stage where you need to be experimenting with your lineups and experimenting with young players. If I was a Warriors fan, I would, I'd be pretty upset with that lineup. It was, it was the Warriors starters who were that game turned from a, you know, a 10 point lead to a 30 point lead though. That's true. You know, like that's, it was, it that's was, also from, the, yeah, it went from 15 to 30 with the starters and that's, that, that is very true. Right. So, and, and like we said before, you know, Otto Porter Jr. is, is definitely a, a absence for them that they have to account for. Um, so, so if you're thinking big picture, anyway, we don't, we don't need to, we don't need to dwell on this. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful designed objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son, Evan, continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless, modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and Cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Is there anything else that we, we could? Um, You know this 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 series is so. I guess at this point the Mavericks played so many playoff games. We just kind of know what they do. Right. They don't really have a lot of other tricks or anything up there. Like they just have to play good basketball. And I think they're getting better at guarding the Warriors' split cut actions and off ball actions, and they're finding more solutions on the defensive end. So it'll be inter- interesting to see if they can pull out Game Five. Because if, if you pull out Game Five, that makes the Warriors a little nervous because they have to go win on the road. To, to clinch, and the Mavericks have been really good at home. And you don't want to, and as the Phoenix Suns learned, you don't want to play with Doncic in a game seven. Right. Even if you're at home. Yeah. Uh, just going through my notes, I thought Dallas doubled Steph a bit more aggressively. It wasn't always just when he called up Lucas Defender. They will double him, uh, you know, with uh, multiple defenders. They would sometimes just send them quicker. And it, it's why you saw a lot of like splitting of the double teams throughout this game. Yeah. Um, honestly, on both sides, it was a it was a it was a big game. Uh, it's a big big night for uh, splitting the double team fans. Um, I thought Kevon Looney's impact was not nearly as present. That the Mavericks stretched him out. There was multiple times where he was the guy late, getting you know helping too far off his th- uh, you know the three point shooter that he's guarding in the corner. And that's, I thought that was smart. You know, that's one reason why it was a mistake for Luca to continually call up Kevon Looney yeah. to, because Kevon Looney is a good switch defender. He is. He's very solid. He's good at moving his feet in short bursts and laterally like that. He's not a player who's going to sprint out at a three point shooter when he's cheating in, in, you know, two nining into the, the lane. He doesn't have that type of like, you know, 15 foot quick recovery you know he has shorter recovery that serves him well against a player like Luca, and so I thought that was a smart adjustment um you know I don't think that even if the Warriors you know the rest of the series however many games it is I don't think the Warriors are going to get the success from Kevon Looney that they that they did and it was game two right that mm-hmm. that he had the, the 21 points and I think also Maxi's rebounding was much better he had eight rebounds in this game. I think he had like three in the first like two or three games combined. Yeah. And I think they did a better. That was another reason why they were losing. They lost game two is like they couldn't keep Looney off the boards and they were giving him so many second chance opportunities. They lost second chance points, I think like 18 to four. And you just can't win basketball games if you're losing the possession game that way. Yeah. Him, him hitting shots. Others have said this, but if he hits his first shot, he's an entirely different player. Yeah. 
I, I think that's true. He took his first two-point attempts of the series. He made it. He was two of three inside the arc. And he hadn't taken a two... Yeah, he had not taken... He had not attempted a two-pointer this entire series. So just getting him fully offensively involved changes how this team is. Like, I, I've said this, but the Mavericks would not be in the conference finals if Maxi had not played like he had the past two series. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I have one final thing. Okay. Did you know the rule if you wedgie a free throw? It's not a wedgie. Just, no, no, wedgie. A, le- a legy. A it, just, it just sits there on the top of the ledge and just... I didn't know the rule. I thought he would have to reshoot it. So I, it's a jump ball if it's in live action. Yes. And I've seen that happen I've a few seen, times. I've seen that happen, yeah. I'm, I don't think I've ever seen it on a free throw. I did... Someone linked John Wall doing it. So it has happened before. I'd never seen I had it. Never, I had never seen it at any level of basketball. It was truly one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Jerry Bond somehow puts, like, top spin on yeah, the ball. He has, that, a, he has a weird weird jumper form spin. Well, he needs a backpack on him at all times. <laughs> it was honest. It was truly funny to see how, how funny it was to Draymond and Luca. Draymond and Luca also absolutely adore one another. It is hilarious how much those two dudes like each other. Draymond is constantly picking up Luca off the ground. I in, saw that. In I saw live, that, yeah. It's happened like two or three times now. Those, it's, this, it's so funny how opposite this series is from the Sun series where there is just absolute mutual respect across the board between these two teams. And I felt like that did not exist between the Mavericks and the Suns. I mean, Luca also kind of looks like he's shooting with a backpack on sometimes. He does. He's got a funny jumper. Like, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just like... It's no one else has his job. It's very, it's one of one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, um, I'm gonna have to think about the terminology. It's almost like he's throwing the ball into the rim and not shooting it, right? Right, or it's kind of like he's he's uh, he is shooting it, but he's he's like pointing it. It's like a it's like a beer pong shot before a jumper. It's very beer pong. I like that. and it feels like what happens with the rest of his body, like it's all arms sometimes. Like he uses a lot of lower body, but what he, the parts of the lower body he uses for his jumper can like change. Yeah, I guess he doesn't have know. he doesn't have consistent mechanics. It's very he's a very strange. I don't have to think on this. There's there's something there's something here that I can identify. I just need more time. So on that note, uh, we're gonna get out of here. Uh, already running a little late getting this podcast recorded. So let's let's get this out here. If the Mavericks, uh, when, when the Mavericks season ends, we'll be back with the entire gang and we'll do, you know, a, a proper postmortem. But hey, it might not end on Thursday. Hey, we don't know. Do you know if the Warriors have ever blown a 3-1 lead? I, I don't really have it on hand, but if you could like look that up, maybe we could find out if that's ever happened. I, I don't think they keep statistics. They don't like keep that. that. Oh, okay. Right. You, right. It's probably, lost to history. Yeah, it'd probably be pretty notable if they had done that before. Right, right. It, it would be, but um, it's really unfortunate that there's no way for us to know that. So, on that note, uh, thanks for listening. We'll see ya. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future. The future is Luke, a big dick Doncic from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you have? Don't fight the future. It tears me apart. Don't fight the future. Please be nice to Luca. Future four-time MVP. Oh, my God. Shut it down! Let's go home! (laughs) It's a wrap, dude! That is a wrap. (laughs) Woo!
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.